Hello, everybody. This is Erica. This is Shari. And this is April. And you are now listening to Three Sykes and a Mic. Just as a disclaimer, although the contents of this show may be educational and therapeutic in nature, this should not be considered a replacement for therapy with a licensed professional. If you would like more information on how you can find a therapist in your area, please contact us on social media. Welcome back. We are back with a new episode of Three Psychs and a Mic. So glad that you are tuning in again. Hi, Erica and Shari. How are y'all doing today? Hi, April. We're doing good. Well, I'm doing good. Let me not speak for Shari. I'm good. I'm doing good. You know, we have the same brain, Erica. We good. We good. (laughs) Yes, yes. That is awesome. Well, I'm super excited for today's episode because we have a very special guest um, who will be joining us. So super excited to get into it. All right. Well, before we get into um, introducing our guests, we definitely want to just kind of check in with the week, talk about a few things that have hit the media. Um, And of course, um, at this point, you all should have heard about our current president, number 45, who has recently Mm. contracted um, coronavirus. Uh, I hope that by the time you're listening to this show that he is still with us. Um, (sighs) But as of today, he is still with us. (laughs) (laughs) Look, it got real quiet. We was like, (laughs) am I the only one? Am I the only one? (laughs) You know, I've really been struggling with that, y'all. I have been in a struggle because I never wish harm to anybody. You know what I'm saying? I don't wish harm to anybody, but if harm befalls someone, can I be a little, you know, not excited about it? But my mom used to say laughing is catching. (laughs) Laughing is catching. You know what I'm saying? So when you're putting out all those bad energy and vibes and it comes back on you, Mm -hmm. I don't, you know, I'm struggling. I've, I've landed with a lot of the stuff that we've been taught about, oh, you need to love your BS, <laughs> and it's often weaponized against people to not be angry, specifically black people and especially with mm-hmm. victims. We often use forgiveness as a way to erase real anger and right. real rage. So the way I have, and I, I even posted on Facebook, like, no. Everybody don't get my thoughts and prayers. You might not want my thoughts, actually. It might right. be your best. Well, I'm not offering thoughts and prayers. My So my reason for wanting him to be here is probably also from a selfish point of view, because I personally feel like those who have put bad energy out needs to be here to suffer for those things. Mm-hmm. So I am mm-hmm. actually hoping that he is here and experiencing right. some of the detriment that so many Americans have had to deal with, especially people who have had this virus, who have been sick, who, who have died, died because of right. his decision. And I have family yes. members, friends who have suffered from this. And yes. so my wishing that he is still here next week. And so he can suffer. Is so he can endure <laughs> those things. Yeah. So I am not in a financial or professional position to ever go on record and saying what I wish. I know. However, that's true. Um, <laughs> what I will say for those who may feel conflicted or have some unpopular opinions, mm-hmm. I think that that is fair sure. for someone who has perpetuated nothing but yes. hate and division. Like it is perfectly fair. 
for you to look at that person and have some thoughts about their existence. Mm -hmm. You are not a bad person. You are not lacking a moral compass. This is the energy that they put out. Mm -hmm. That's and true. You don't get to get sympathy all the time when you have caused nothing but harm. That is right. so very true. You know so. what? I like that you put it that way because life can be very unfair in other situations. But I think this is the one time where life is showing its fairness mm. and saying, you put these things out, you have caused harm to other people. Mm -hmm. And this is now what happens. This is, this is what happens when you, when you do bad unto others. It comes back to you. Yeah. I believe karma. I feel like a lot of the prayers for many are being answered in a number of ways. Some people have prayed for his demise. Some people. Look, I prayed that he wouldn't be president. So I, I don't Some people pray have anyway. prayed Clearly. for. <laughs> Obviously, your prayers ain't being heard. <laughs> At well, all. we don't know. So you know, we really don't know what's being worked in the background. Some of April's prayers might be right. showing up, and it just has not manifested <laughs> into the into into, into the, the right now. But the they hell. might be Hilarious. in the works. Okay, Hilarious, y'all are too funny. Y'all are too funny. But wherever your so position is, whatever your position is, um, it is fair for you to own that position. Yes. So that it is what it is, um, you know. It is what it is. Wear your mask. Maybe we need to do a, a Patreon episode where where we can say, "Yeah, girl, <laughs> look, you know, I still can't say nothing. Look, I'm over here like you. Mom's you actually, the word. none of us can. Right? None, none of, of us, us can. None of us. So, Mom's the word. Let. Yeah. Hmm. So Y'all That's our, that's our media uh, minute for today. <laughs> that's that's all I've got. <laughs> Before I, be, before I be unemployed. Okay, unemployed next today. Okay, pull that car before we even put this out. They be like, nah, we heard this. No. Log in, not working. Uh, I'm like, wait a minute. Is my badge broken? What's happening? Security meeting at the front. At the like, front I'm going to escort yeah, I've been waiting for you at the door. Wait for you at the door. you at the door. So you was having big, big fun on the podcast, huh? Okay. I'm having big fun with the three psychs. Ain't got no job. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Mm -mm -mm. Let me be quiet. Okay. Okay. But I do like that everybody has these valid feelings. Your feelings are valid. However yeah. you feel, whatever side you are sitting with, you know, sit with that and, and have those feelings. But you guys, I have a question of the week. Okay. And so I, I like this question because I have been struggling with adulting lately and having to pay for things because the new season is rolling in. So I'm having oh. to pay for lawn care, siding to be cleaned on the house, all of these things that come with adulting. And so I wanted to check with you guys and ask the question, what is something that you didn't think cost a lot until you became an adult? and realized how much, you know, that it is expensive. Can I start, please? <laughs> Pop one, because I just got my bill in the mail like three days ago, but car taxes. Mm. Um, Somebody please explain to me why you're taxing me to own things. Like I already had to pay for it. Did I not? Did I not have to pay for it? And now there's a tax to own it. So basically, they're telling you don't own anything and you won't have to pay the government. So you're encouraging me to be poor and without 
things in life because these car taxes, let me tell you. Yeah. And Shari knows because Shari and I bought the same car. Same car, like some fools. That's so funny. Let me tell you how my soul broke Girl. when my first tax bill that came in the mail. First tax bill? Broke. I was like, wait a minute. I think they got this wrong. I think this is three years. Baby. Am I paying for three years? It was just one year. And I've had this car now for about five years, and I still feel like I'm paying a mortgage. It's crazy. So, yes. But that's a South Carolina thing. Well, I wouldn't say a South Carolina thing. In Louisiana, we didn't have to pay car taxes. So I was introduced to a whole new world when I bought a car here and gave back my Louisiana plates. Let me tell you how South Carolina is set up to make you broke. (laughs) This, This state is set up to make you broke. Yes. The state of oppression. <laughs> Hasn't it? I think one. Sorry. I, no, that hit a chord. No, she no, said no, the state no. of oppression. I said, baby, from the beginning. From okay. the beginning. Okay. Y'all better go back and read y'all South Carolina history, honey. It's found it. That's, that's why Charleston Port's having so much trouble okay. now. Okay. Karma. Got them bodies in Let me anyway. tell you, Karma. <laughs> that's the theme of the episode. Karma. <laughs> okay. Sorry. Go ahead, April. No. <laughs> I don't know if it, it's uh, when you said adulting in my mind, I didn't even go to money. Cause I just, I'm so over it, but it, it went to more sort of just the day-to-day responsibilities mm-hmm, of things. Yeah. Like every day you got to do stuff. Like there's Literally. no day off. Like you got to pay this and then there's this. And if something breaks, you got to be the one to do it and then make sure you get to work and then make sure you bring your lunch. It's just like, I'm, t- I need an adult. Can I get a parent, please? Right. I don't want to do this anymore. The best time to to have been an adult was when you were an undergraduate college student. Do you know why? That's true. Because I could Back wake up. up in the morning and say, no, I am not attending that class today. Yeah. And I didn't yeah. lose a dollar for it. I might have lost a little bit of education, but I didn't lose a dollar for it. <laughs> okay? That was the best time to be an adult because now you wake up and say, you know what? No, I am not going to that job. Let me tell you what happens if you don't have any PTO time. You don't get paid. Okay. So it's just, it's just a whole nother animal. It's a whole nother animal. The money part is the cost of health Mm. and not just the cost of healthcare. Yes. But the cause like I went I had an annual something mm-hmm. that my insurance allegedly allegedly. Mm-hmm. allegedly that's what they say you know that you're supposed to mm-hmm. get and I got a bill that's like three figures I'm trying to figure out well did, did y'all take something that y'all weren't supposed to take I don't when I look at them codes, no, they... I'll be like, what is the code? What what code is this doctor putting in? I'm like going you one better by start. one. Like, what is that? What is that? You better what start because I figured that out too. I went to the doctor and they said, well, we pay for you to come to the visit. I'm sorry. I don't understand yes. how you pay for me to come to the visit. But then everything that you do while I'm at the visit, I have Maybe to pay for out of Then why am I here? <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand. You're not paying for anything. That's what I'm saying. Ooh, help yeah, me, that's, Lord. Those help are good me understand. Help yeah, me understand. That's all I got. I'm tired. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, Lord. Done with the adults. That was a yeah. triggering question. Right. Isn't I it? know. Ooh. Isn't it? Oh, goodness. We need, we need to switch to something positive. I'm starting to sweat over I here. I know. Well, let's, let's move into something <laughs> extremely positive today. Our topic. So, yes. I am... Super, super happy to bring in our guest. Um, This guest has been really um, 
integral in some of my training before I became a psychologist. Um, I met her during my residency here in Columbia, South Carolina. And so I'm going to bring in Dr. Rania McGee. Um, She's a board certified psychiatrist. She practiced in Columbia since 2014, focusing on medication management and psychotherapy in adults. She is an HBCU born and bred. Hey, Um, having graduated from Spelman College in Atlanta, Georgia, and Meharry Medical College in Nashville, Tennessee. She is also the co-founder of Black People Treat, a website dedicated to connecting our community to physicians of color. So with no further ado, I'm going to bring in Dr. Rania McGee. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. I love the discussion earlier. All of that was positive and validating for me. So I appreciate that. That's exactly how I feel. Wonderful. (laughs) Well, we are very glad to have you. We always love having guests um, and we always love to give our listeners just much more education, information. Mm -hmm. And we've had a lot of questions um, from Um, our listeners about psychiatrists and psychiatry and medication and psychologists and counselors. And a lot of times people don't understand what they need, when they need it, how to go about finding it. So we really appreciate you coming on to kind of help clear up some of that information for our listeners. Um, I wanted to ask an opening question because um, I believe it was this week or uh, maybe like a week or so ago, we actually had someone ask if we could refer them to a, a psychologist or a psychiatrist. And people were saying, well, which one? are you seeking? And they said, well, it doesn't matter. And so that, (laughs) that let me know um, very clearly that they did not know the difference and they didn't understand um, the variations in um, roles and responsibilities of those two professions. So would you mind kind of explaining to our listeners what the role of a psychiatrist really looks like for them? Absolutely. So we as psychiatrists, you know, we are medical doctors. So we go through four years of undergrad, four years of medical school, and then four years of training within the specialty of psychiatry. And then we actually prescribe medications um, to treat mental illness. Now, and there are some of us, you know, Throughout our residency, we are trained to be competent in certain types of psychotherapy, which is where sometimes it will blur for some patients because they will go to their psychiatrist and get medication and therapy. But most of us do a do more medication management because that's what we're trained to do. And then we'll offset that with a little bit of supportive therapy or CBT or brief psychodynamic therapy based on what a psychiatrist specialty is and what they enjoy doing in terms of therapy. Gotcha. But most of us would prefer that you all as a psychologist would do that consistently um, or a therapist, a licensed clinical social worker or uh, marriage and family therapist. Sure. that's the difference. We are always the, you know, the physician. And so we look at medical disorders in addition to mental illness. Okay. Great. Great. That's very helpful. That's a good question. 
Yeah, that's a really great question because we do get um, oftentimes, and I know just in my personal life, when people are asking me about services, they'll say, you know, are you a psychologist? Are you a psychiatrist? And so having to explain the difference in that um, is really important. And I think it also helps people kind of get into a space of understanding or framing their own personal needs, right? Without just saying, you know, whichever one comes first, that's what I'm going to go to. And then often, Sometimes come back with a bit of disappointment or confusion when they feel as though they're not getting their needs met in a way that's appropriate for them. Right. Um, you know, I was going to say sometimes too, you know, my patients will come to me thinking that I will do therapy every time I see them, you know, and my role is to really, I'm trying to adjust medications so that your therapist and you can have a better relationship and you can engage in therapy yeah. better. Perfect. Yeah. So if you, what um, advice or rubric would you have for our listeners who may not know where to start? Like, how would you say you should start here with a psychologist or a therapist, or should you start with me first? What would be your, your advice for that? Um, honestly, ladies, I would say start with, if you have one, I would say start with your primary care doctor first. Yeah. Because for me, you know, coming from a medical standpoint, I want to make sure that there are no medical issues that are causing any symptoms. And so I want to make sure that you've gotten an adequate medical workup, if at all possible, to find something ahead of time. I've had patients who I've seen that have diabetes or uncontrolled thyroid issues or cardiac issues, and it's just not been picked up. And they just thought it was a psychiatric issue initially. I'm so glad you said that because I've had clients where they've come in and they've been like, I have this uncontrollable anxiety and I have all these things. And it wasn't until consultation with a psychiatrist that where they were saying, have they had, you know, a thyroid workup and have they had these kinds of things? And I didn't think, you know, because that's not that's not within my training, um, but they were able to actually pick up on those those health issues that were, mm-hmm. and, and it, it mm-hmm. did turn out that there was a, a physical health problem that was mimicking um, those symptoms of anxiety. And once they actually got that treated, then they were actually able to, to manage the, the symptoms that appeared that seemed to mimic the anxiety. So I'm really glad that you, that you said that. Mm-hmm. Um, so what does someone Let's say you do have a client who says, you know, they've gone to their primary care doctor. The primary care doctor says, you know, I really think you need to see um, a a mental health professional. And they decide they want to see a psychiatrist because they've talked to someone and they say, hey, you know, I think you need to try some medication first. What would someone expect when they came to like an initial visit with a psychiatrist? Mm -hmm. And well, I guess let me back up and say, um, do primary care doctors tend to refer? Are they usually expected to find this person on their own? And then once they get to you, what does that initial appointment kind of look like? Okay, that, that's a very good question because um, I think very similar to what you, you all said in your uh, podcast before about therapy, a lot of it first starts off on whether or not they have insurance. And yes. so finding someone you know, within your insurance, you know, because it can be costly. So that's why I would have the primary care doctor, because oftentimes they'll have a list of referral referral sources based on a patient's insurance. Okay. So 
as us being specialists, oftentimes insurances will require a referral to be done from someone else, either a primary care doctor or another physician or a therapist or psychologist, someone who's initially done okay. some type of evaluation and they've determined that they warrant care with a psychiatrist. Once that happens, then we get, on, you know, we'll get on board and see what's going on. Um, so that's the way that I would do it if, you know, if mm, they're going to go mm -hmm. that route. I often find that it's much easier for my patients to get in and see a therapist first than to get in to see their primary care doctor. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and so oftentimes right. I'll right. get referrals directly from the therapist and they're saying, this is what I see and I'll take it from there or the psychiatrist will take it from there. Once they get into my office, it is almost a 30 minute to sometimes an hour, an hour and a half long initial eval based on the severity and the complications that I'm seeing mm -hmm. with their symptoms. <laughs> um, we will ask a lot of questions and I tell them off the bat, like I'm, we're searching for mm -hmm. something. So I'm asking a lot of questions to determine the extent of your symptoms, how long they've been going on, how impairing are they in multiple aspects of your life. I for will sure. ask, are you having thoughts of harming yourself or have you had thoughts of harming yourself in the past? That is a valid question. Right. And that freaks a lot of my patients out when I broach that because of what they're thinking if they respond honestly to that. So I'll ask, but that gives me an idea of really how severe are your symptoms? Right, um, right. And it will flow as a conversation, not just drilling someone that way. And I'll get a medical history, you know, as a physician, um, that's what we'll do. We'll get a psychiatric history. And oftentimes yeah. with patients in our community, that's the part that's the hardest to get. Yeah. And we'll take all of that and we'll look at it. So that gives us a whole picture of the person that we're looking at. And then we will say, okay, everything you've told me, everything that's going on with your life, mm -hmm. you know, do you warrant a medication? Yeah. Do yeah. you not based on what we see? Um, and so we just try to work together mm -hmm. and get it done in the amount of time that we can determine, like I said, whether or not we need medications. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a really good point that you bring up around, do you warrant a medication? Mm -hmm. um, and it often leads to a question that, you know, we hear often is, are all mental health concerns, should they all be treated with a medication? And what happens when your psychiatrist says, I don't think that this is something that is needed at this time. Mm -hmm. And so can you talk a little bit about just having, you know, if mental health concerns, if all of them should be treated with mm -hmm. medication, mm -hmm. how to have that conversation mm -hmm. and that distinction? Oh, yes. Um, you know, from our standpoint, again, you know, any, any medical diagnosis, mm -hmm. a medication is always an option, but it doesn't always mean that we have to use one. So for us, we look at severity of symptoms. We look at um, how long symptoms have been going on. So the duration, and we look at how many different aspects of your life are these symptoms interfering with. So if after behavioral modifications, if after dietary changes, exercising, 
setting boundaries, doing therapy, prayer, if you've done all of that and we're still struggling with our symptoms, we need to talk about having a medication brought on board. Yes. Still do those things that you're doing, but talk about, you know, we need to talk about adding a medication alongside those things. I'm so glad you said that because I've also heard several times people say, Every, you know, I just really don't want to go see my psychiatrist anymore because they just want to keep putting me on medication. And mm-hmm. a lot of times it's like they're not putting you on medication just because it's fun. Like it's based off of something that you're presenting, you know, when you come to the sessions, things that you've said, you know, how you're functioning that is warranting this need for trying you on these medications. And so, but I often hear people say, they just want to push me on medications. And it's like, if Mm -hmm. it's needed, if it's warranted. And I've had, you know, um, people who have, you know, they've started trying to go see a psychiatrist or see a therapist, Mm -hmm. medication is recommended, and then they back off. And then stuff continues to happen. They go back. A medication is offered, they back off. And finally, after, you know, all right, fine, I'm going to give in. And then they realize, wow, like I'm actually seeing changes and benefits from from utilizing medication in conjunction with therapy or in conjunction with other things that they might be doing. But it's just that hesitation um, that we see a lot, and especially in our community. Our community. Mm-hmm. So how do you talk to... Um, some of your patients who, when you have maybe made a recommendation, they've been very hesitant about, about initiating um, psychotropic medications. For me, I've found that the best way is to just give them space. We'll, some I will see for the initial evaluation and I'll say, this is what I think is going on. I would highly recommend you start something. And if they give me some pause where they're hesitant, I'll say, okay, this is my recommendation. Go home, think about it. Mm-hmm. Talk to your therapist about it, you know, because I want you to be comfortable with whatever we choose. We choose, you right. know, because I've got to get them engaged in the process because they have to have a relationship with this medication, yes. you know, and so just giving them the opportunity to say, can I think about it? And I'll say, yes, you know, but if something gets worse, call me, but I'll Mm -hmm. see you back in a week or two. Mm -hmm. And then we can talk about it again. And so I try to give them that control as much as I can. Mm -hmm. um, If I feel like they can go that long and think about it and then come back to see me so that they Mm -hmm. can see, I'm not trying to just here, take a pill. We'll make this better. I have a, a follow-up question, kind of thought, how do you reconcile with either, you know, pre- professionally, personally, as well in the room, kind of the, the very real experience that some people have had with providers just throwing pills at them combined with, oh yes, if, you know, Black mm-hmm. patients particularly who already have this very kind of distrustful and for valid reasons yeah how do you reconcile it's a great question oh no i'm i bring it up because you know the data tells us it's there right because by the time someone gets to me they have already been on three Mm -hmm. or four sometimes five different medications from primary care doctor or from another psychiatrist somewhere else wow so not only am i trying to educate them about 
what medicine I want to now use, but also trying to listen, what didn't work? What didn't you like from the previous providers or the previous medications? Because that matters to me mm -hmm. in, in terms of what I choose to do. Um, and I will always say, we're going to go very slowly. I'm going to be very mm -hmm. conservative. I'm going to watch you closely so that they know I'm just not sending them out with a prescription and then I'm going to see you back in three months. That's good. You know, so I, I definitely have that, have to have mm -hmm. that conversation just mm -hmm. because of the stigma that comes with, with medications, um, particularly with our community. Right. So how do you talk to patients mm -hmm. who um, will start a medication and recognize like, oh, I feel, it makes me feel different. Like, I, you know, you hear people saying, oh, I don't like mm -hmm. this. I'm having side effects. Um, and then they just stop taking the medication. Yeah, that's me. No, I don't like it. I'm mm -hmm. taking myself off of it's this. Making my stomach hurt. No, nope. <laughs> right. I ain't sleeping right. <laughs> and we know that there are some medications that that can be dangerous for for the yes. client. So yes, yes. Do you t do you have conversations with your patients prior to about look, you know, if something's not working call me or like how does that work because I know some people who would just be like yeah I was put on that medicine I took it for about two weeks and you know I just really didn't like it so I just mm -hmm. stopped taking I'm like did you do you know if it's okay like <laughs> are, are you changing personality now that you're not, like what's going on <laughs> yes yes um for me I have just learned I have I have to say all of that up front really within the first session um, because they come with so many preconceived notions already about psychiatric medications. And so the more I can alleviate ahead of time and answer the questions I can already know they may be thinking, it makes it a little yeah. bit easier. So I will say, this is a medication I would consider for you based on everything you've told me, based on the fact you got diabetes, you got high blood pressure, you got asthma, mm -hmm. you got whatever so that they know I'm already thinking about everything that they have. And then I said, now, if we start this medicine, we have to see what your body says. Mm, okay. Yeah, because it may not be the right one for you. So we'll start low. This is the, these are the side effects you should look for, and I'll make them write it down so that they're engaged in the process. And then I'll say, this is how we started, and then I'll see you back in two to three weeks to see how we're doing. But if there's something you don't like about it, stop mm -hmm. it and call mm -hmm. me. Yeah, that, that, that way they, again, they feel like they've got a partnership in, you know, in right. the treatment. Yeah, and I say, listen, there's 15, 16 different types of antidepressants. There's that many because yeah, people yeah. don't tolerate them all. You know, so, um, so it is to just be upfront, be honest about it. I talk about the most common ones I'll see uh, in terms of side effects, um, sexual side effects are big in our medications. So I talk about yep. that off the jump, you know, headache, upset stomach, those types of things we see. But I say, you know, let's work through it. Some will improve over a couple of days, but if they don't call me, let me know, let's do something else and let's do it quickly. That's yeah, important. I like that thought around people, like the partnership, Right. Because I think oftentimes, especially mm -hmm. with medical professionals, people enter into this space of, well, they told me to take it, so I have to. 
or they told me to take it. It's not making me feel good or it's making me feel weird or whatever the experience of it is. But I have to keep taking it because this doctor said take it. And oftentimes they don't understand that it is a partnership and that they have the ability to have that discussion or have that space to express those concerns that they may be having. So can I ask a question that's kind of shifting a little bit? It's it's slightly off um, topic. In your bio, so it's your background is working with adults, right? Um, mm-hmm. How often do you encounter, and this is just a personal question for me, but how often do you encounter mm-hmm. adults who are in need of like ADHD medications that have not had treatment? for ADHD in the past. And mm-hmm. I ask because it's a good question. Our in our black community, our young people are often diagnosed with conduct disorder or some other type of mental health condition when there really has been some type of background in ADHD. And so they haven't mm-hmm. had the treatment, you know, at in a at a young age. Um, and now they're they're identifying or able to identify that these things are ADHD. How how do you how do you see that and how are you how do you tend to kind of address that particular population? I see it quite a bit. Definitely now during the pandemic, since home and work and their whole lives are under one roof, um, and they're trying to multitask everything at once. Um, and oftentimes, I don't see it um, until. I can get the anxiety and or whatever co-occurring diagnosis Mm. controlled first. Then it starts to Mm -hmm. show itself. Um, My wife is telling me 50 million times I need to do something. I can't find my keys all the time. You know, my work productivity is dipping. And, you know, and I say, wait a minute, you know, really how long has this been going on? So it's just an ongoing Mm -hmm. interview. And if I go back far enough, into their childhood, I'll see that they were struggling with subjects, or I'll see that their parents were going above and beyond to help mm-hmm. them with their homework, or I'll see they repeated a grade, but they were, they're, they're really intelligent. And, and so then I'll say, you know what, okay, this may be something that we're looking at in terms of adult ADHD, that you've just been so intelligent that you've been able to yeah. work through it. Yeah. And so for them, oftentimes it's a big yeah, relief. They have an answer now or explanation. Yeah, yeah they have an answer. So I have a, another question, kind of unrelated slash related. Um, where are, how do you address um, those who want to combine natural remedies or mm-hmm. um, like vitamins or supplements or things like CBD oil? How do you recommend? Because I just know with students, um, one of the things, I would often encounter is a lot of students were taking melatonin, which is fine, but not a lot of students don't understand that there's still a, still a a substance, like there's still a dosage, like you, okay. And you know, if you're taking that, I need to know how much and have you consulted with a doctor about the right dosage. Um, um, So I guess, how do you address that? Also, how do you get clients comfortable to discuss their drug use with you? Um, yeah, with the, the natural supplements, one, I just assume most of my patients use it anyway. (laughs) So when I'm going through their medical history and I'm asking them what medicines are they taking? I'm also asking what herbal supplements are you taking? What vitamins are you taking? Because you're absolutely correct. 
some of those can interfere mm. with our psychiatric medications. So we have to be aware of what else they're taking. So, you know, so I'll list some and I'm like, are you taking this? I keep a book of complimentary and an alternative medicine in my office to let them know that I know that that's something that you're using. Mm -hmm. So we'll look it up um, and look at interactions. Um, and if there's no interaction, I'll say, and it's working for you, keep it, you know, because people want to do things naturally and I, I'm okay, you know, as long as it's not interfering mm -hmm. with their medical prescriptions. And then in terms of your second question was, um, kind of similar related, but more so the illicit drug use or illegal oh, drugs. Oh, How yes, do you yes. address that in your sessions? Just like I, um, you know, ask multiple questions about, are you having thoughts of self-harm or ever had any actions of self-harm in the past? I will ask about substance use. But the way that I frame it for me is that I'll ask, are you drinking? Are you smoking? Are you using any substances to help you cope with how you feel? Mm. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Marketing. That's a good one. <laughs> I because like that. That takes away mm -hmm. the judgment. Yeah, that's good. But it also gives me an idea of whatever substance they're using, it's treating an underlying condition. Yeah, yeah. And so I'm like, okay, you're going after your cigarettes all the time. How anxious are you? You're smoking weed all the time. Mm -hmm. How anxious are you? You're using cocaine. Are we depressed? You know, because there's a reason they're using it. And that's what I try to get at. I like that. I like how you framed that question. Yeah. And so then I'll say, okay, if we can get you on something that is more helpful and will help you save your liver and your kidneys, you know. Yes. <laughs> keep you out of jail let's do that yeah uh, <laughs> let's keep freedom and the body yes. organs we need them we need both of those things you know, <laughs> yes and then i'll say if we can get you on something that works just as well you may find yourself needing to reach for those things less so i'll say let's use it as a marker and again that gets them saying okay dr mcgee last month i only drank two glasses of wine mm -hmm. because i'm sleeping better yeah yeah so so that, that's how I, that's over the years, that's how I've learned to ask that question to make it more reflective of what their life experiences might be. You hear that, friends? That whole bottle of wine might not just be you coming home to relax. Exactly. <laughs> Every night, right. Speaking to my former self. <laughs> uh. <laughs> Telling you what I right. know, not Listen. what I heard, right? Let me tell you. Let me tell you. Uh, so I'm curious, how did you decide you wanted to, to be a psychiatrist? Um, that is an interesting question. I, I went to school thinking that I wanted to be a surgeon and was on track to do that. But in medical school, we have different rotations, you know, every six to eight weeks on all the basic specialties of medicine. And um I was doing my psych rotation and I walked in on the unit and there was this guy who was floridly psychotic, didn't know where he was, who he was, almost nonverbal. And after a week of medications and injection, he was a different person. Wow. Talking yeah. with us, you know, talking about his life, his wow. interests. And I said, if I could be a part of that, that's what I want to do. And it was yes. one of us, you know, it was someone in our community. And so I was like, okay, we're, we're needed. And at that point I was, mm -hmm. I was sold. 
Yeah. Yeah. I was sold. That's awesome. That is awesome. When you can see the change, right? When you can mm-hmm. be a witness and be party to that. Um, mm-hmm. and, and you mentioned, you know, he was a part of our community, part of the black community. And mm-hmm. it, it brings up a question that I think has is really important to think about for the black community. And we'll hear oftentimes um, some public figures um, such as Umar Dr. Umar, um, talk about, um, I know you said I, I struggle. I struggle. No, he, he, he's, he earned it. You, he you did. Right. And yeah. I put it there. I put no, it. No, you did you right. Know, I, Dr. Yeah, Umar <laughs> talk about medication, um, psychiatric medication and how that is often a detriment to the black community in his words. Um, and so as a black psychiatrist and treating, you know, many people in our community, just wanting to get the way that you reconcile or present that message around like the importance of mental health medications as an option for treatment for mental health conditions. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, I am very honest. I'm very open and upfront. And I will say, listen, you know, my goal, my goal is to get you better. Do you have the same conversation with the Dr. Zips that is prescribing your high blood pressure Thank medicine? You. Mm-hmm. 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 <laughs> Do we have the same challenge with, you know, your doctor that's prescribing your medicine for your thyroid? Because you yeah. know that if you don't take that, you know, you, yeah. you can die. And depression comes with a morbidity rate attached Absolutely. to it. Absolutely. Certainly. You know, and so I say... If we do this and you get better, that's the goal. Now, what else I know is that we are, as a community, the lowest community that utilizes mental health services in the outpatient setting, but we have the highest rate of inpatient hospitalizations. Mm -hmm. Say that, yes. So when we get sick, we get sick, sick enough to be hospitalized. And oftentimes that's our community's first entrance into the mental health system. And that can be quite traumatizing. Certainly. You know, so I said, listen, my goal is to keep you in your life with as few medicines as possible without side effects. And if we get it right, you should feel like you're not taking a medicine at all. Nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So that's how I have to handle it, mm-hmm. you know, just yeah. and give them space to ask me those mm-hmm. questions. So yeah, it t- it takes a lot of psychoeducation in our sessions for sure before I even mm-hmm. get to write a prescription. Yeah. yeah. And I get so frustrated when people, I won't say abuse their platform, but I guess you can say abuse it because it has detrimental effects for, for not them, not the person preaching these things, but the people who need it, who may mm-hmm. not have access mm-hmm. to have these conversations with someone and you know, it's a very real concern. Like we know the history of black people in medicine. Like we know, we know that that is real, but we also know that medicine can help. Um, Mm -hmm. And when people aren't able to have those nuanced conversations, I even think about it. I like it. I know it's very controversial to a lot of the questions Mm -hmm. about vaccines and how people will use the Tuskegee syphilis study. And I often tell people like the, the problem with the syphilis study is they withheld the vaccine. Yes. They they weren't right. testing the black man. They were actually keeping it from them mm-hmm. so that they could see how the, the virus, how syphilis progressed in their bodies. 
So it's like being able to hold, yes, the United States has a long history of mistreating and exploiting Black and poor Mm -hmm. people. Yes, medication, medicine, science has given us a lot of, um, has progressed in ways that can enhance our quality of life. How can we find a, a happy medium and I'm glad that you have those conversations um, with your clients because I, I just think of so many others, especially who don't relate to those fears, can just brush it off mm-hmm. as like paranoia or and it's so yeah. So that's it's I'm I'm glad that that you know there are psychiatrists like you out there who can recognize the concern and also have very pointed conversations mm-hmm. about yeah. it. Yeah, and also like you know it is about us finally saying we're empowering ourselves like you have again you you emphasize this partnership it's not just someone telling you what to do and perhaps that was the history of black people interacting with the medical field where you went in someone told you this is what you do or you know maybe some things were done and you weren't fully given an honest information about what was happening. But at this point, it's about empowering yourself with knowledge, empowering yourself with, um, you know, exploring um, and getting information. And um, this is just one of those ways, like our job that, that we take on with this podcast, I feel like is providing people with information and saying, hey, we're just going to give you a nugget Take this nugget and go empower yourself and get more information so that you can learn more about medications and how to treat these mental health things and take some of that stigma out of it um, because it's not about something being done to you. It is you taking control and taking power and, and getting the things that you need. Yeah, so I think it's really important to understand that, you know, there are resources out in the community, there are spaces like this, but also Dr. McGee has created and co-founded an amazing website um, where if you are looking for a Black MD, so a Black clinician, it's a great place for you to search. Um, Very much um, reminiscent of, we've talked a lot about um, Black girls do no, what is it? Black girls therapy, black girls. Therapy, therapy for black, black. girls. For black. Goodness right. gracious! <laughs> yes, I'm like black girls there. do therapy, therapy <laughs> and black people. <laughs> we just gonna start when it says we do this, y'all, and we just gonna include everybody. <laughs> right, right. We do this. We do this. We out here. Look, we got y'all. <laughs> oh. We got y'all. That's hilarious. Um, But yes, so we've talked a lot about therapy for black girls as a space where you can find black therapists. Um, And so wanting to um, give Dr. McGee a little bit of time to talk about her um, amazing website, um, Black People Treat. And so give us an update on that. Uh, Yes, it is. um, Black People Treat was um, an idea that came to me, you know, from a colleague of mine in North Carolina, um, Dr. Lori Givens, who is uh, OBGYN. And she was trying to find a black psychiatrist for her patients and called me um, because we went to school together at Spelman. And she's like, I don't know where to find them. And so we said, let's pull our resources together and create a website to help our patients, particularly in the South, um, 
connect. And so the website is up. It's www.blackpeopletreatdatabase.com. Um, and we'll be adding additional physicians in the next coming weeks um, and heavily marketing this to our population um, because we need us out there being seen and we need to increase access to care yes. for mental health and the other specialties as well, particularly during this time. That is awesome. That's good. I love it. It's needed. It's so needed because I know... Um, in the PD area, I want to say that um, there's like one psychiatrist for like three counties or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, so, mm -hmm. so access yes, to care yes. is an issue. And then, then you say, and then you're trying to find, you know, a black psychologist, uh, excuse me, black psychiatrist that's even more, you know, far reaching. So at least if they have a place to begin searching, I think is good. Yes. Yes, uh, psychiatrists, and I believe psychologists as well, African-Americans, we are 2%. Yes, it's, yes. yes. Wow. Um, talked about all that. psychiatrists. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we've talked about that, how, how it is very, very difficult to find um, Black psychologists and mm -hmm. psychiatrists. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think having a space where people can go and having a database mm -hmm. where people can just go and look to see who's in the area. And then, like you said, start with their primary care doctor to say, you know, is this person in my network? Is this something that I could pursue as a mm -hmm. treatment option? I think that is a welcomed and very much needed addition mm -hmm. to the field. So, well, thank you, ladies. Thank you. Yes. Thank you so much for coming. We are so happy to have you here on this episode. This has been great. It so has. we did a um, therapy 101 <laughs> episode that was all focused on demystifying the process of therapy um, because it can be scary. And so this is kind of like our sister episode where we um, demystify the process of medication management mm -hmm. and psychiatry. Um, and so thank you for helping us do that for our listeners. Um, and Anytime. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. <laughs> I think this has been a great episode. Great, great conversation. Um, and if you guys continue, listeners have questions about um, just the process, feel free to send that in to us. We'll definitely um, get those questions answered as best as we can. Um, but if you continue to have questions or if this conversation has piqued more questions for you, make sure to let us know. All right. So now we are moving on to our next segment where we send someone our love out into the world. It could be a person, entity, um, something that made you smile. And who would like to start? Mine is really so bad. I probably shouldn't even do it, but I'm going to do it anyway. Go for it. Because it goes along with what we talked about today. And I just would like to send my love to whoever posted the video of their elderly aunt putting holy oil on her television as she prayed for Donald Trump during the um, debate. <laughs> it gave me life. I did not, not see that, that It gave me laughter. <laughs> it was so wonderful, y'all. This lady, when I tell you, sister was praying hard. Okay, that her prayers funny. were going straight past the pearly gates, direct to Jesus Christ himself. That's okay? funny. And sis, when Sister Girl turned that oil over 
and start wiping that TV. <laughs> Girl, I, I thought I was going to fall out. So I just would like to send my love to, you know, I feel like social media has a lot of not so great things on there. But every now and again, you will come across something that will bless your soul. And that, for me, was it. So I am sending my love to whomever posted they holy auntie putting oil on 45 that's good <laughs> that is good oh gosh that's uh, a really good one anybody else <laughs> oh, girl you know Look, you know shari over there avoiding this like, like the plague <laughs> like the plague okay that is funny like no let me not do that i was gonna say like Lindsey graham avoiding face masks but we're not going there let's <laughs> let's keep going Let's keep going. So I have I have two. I have a double. Um, I want to. So I I produce a podcast for um, for my my job, and on one of our recent episodes, one of the hosts hosted by students um, shared that he came out to his family that week, and it was tough. And the amount of love that he's received since then from listeners it's just been beautiful that's so, so that's so sending love to him as well as to the people who have reached out with nothing but love and support that's um for something that's, that's very tough that's awesome yeah it was just like oh I, just, I love when humans have humanity yeah. it just really makes me it's happy a great reminder. human just, i love it can we just not oh. be horrible for a little bit yeah, just yeah. yeah. I feel yeah. like that's one of the commandments in, in some shape, form, or fashion. <laughs> just don't, don't be, be horrible. horrible. <laughs> I feel like it is one, y'all. Let's, yeah, don't be horrible humans. Yeah. I love that. It was great. Um, my part two is because I'll forget if I don't do it now. Is to um my, my line sister Bridget, who's over at the Coffee Chat Doc. I had a great time talking with her. Um, was on her live. She goes. She does live conversations. Yes, Shari. Um, joined in and uh, watched the the videos. A great conversation about ambition. But one wanted to just give show love to her for um, just going with this idea. And it's been she's had great conversations um, about just different aspects of the Black experience. And also, she is an avid listener, and she's constantly telling other people about the podcast. Um, so I definitely appreciate that. So I want to send my love out to those two. Nice. All right, Bridget. Nice. Yes, Bridget. Um, she joined us on one episode. Yes, we were talking insecure. about Molly and Issa. Yeah, yes. On the yeah, Facebook we were talking Live. about yeah. I yeah. forgot about that. Yep. Yes. Um, so I want to send my love. I actually don't have anybody to send my love to. So when I don't, I always send my love to my mom. Um, <laughs> so I want to send my love. <laughs> Send my love over to my mother, um, who has told me that you should send me more love on the podcast. So oh. I'm gonna send my love over to her. Yes, y'all. She was she's offended. She's like, you should send me more love. She's like, uh, you hello? should. I am the reason you are here. How dare? Because mom is a super fan. She's okay, so she, she is, is a, a super fan. fan. I love she it. She is, but I'm gonna send my love to her. Um, because she's an amazing, amazing Aww. mom. Um, and she's always just kind of checking in and supportive of all of the things that I have going on. Um, and me calling her in the middle of the day and asking ridiculous questions 
kids um, because, you know, I feel like once you're a mother, you're always a mother. You don't get time off, even though I'm in my late 30s. Um, so <laughs> I want to send my love to her for being an amazing influence and just really being there um, as she always has been. So awesome. That's cool. Yeah. Dr. McGee, do you have someone that you'd like to send or something, or something, an entity you'd like to send your love? Um, I want to send my love out to all my teachers and educators oh, right now. Oh, thank um, you. <laughs> who are on the front lines. Um, I see what you're doing and I appreciate you. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. That's real. Yeah. 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 So that is, I second that. I second that. That is, yes. <laughs> right. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right. Well, you all, we have reached that point where we are coming to an end of the show. But we thank you so, so much for joining us. Thank you again, Dr. McGee. This has been. Oh, you're more than welcome. It's been wonderful having you. Thank you for sharing all of your knowledge and information. Listeners, if you have additional questions or just want to just leave us comments about how great and wonderful the show was today, because it absolutely was, you can hit us up on our social media. We are on Facebook and Instagram at Three Sykes and a Mic. That's the number three, Sykes and a Mic. And you can also send us direct questions, comments, concerns to our Facebook page. You can direct message us, but you can also send us an email to our email address, which is also the number three, Sykes and a Mic at gmail.com and we just thank you for listening leave us a comment a rating on any platform that you listen to the show and we hope that you will join us again next week and on that note we are gonna say peace out (laughs) bye y'all peace out bye everyone (laughs) bye